Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan. The Texans at the Ravens, you know, I think it'd be awful hard to beat the Ravens. And that should do it. For the first time in more than 50 years, the city of Baltimore is going to host the AFC Championship. The Chiefs at the Bills. A lot of people looking forward to this game. The Kansas City Chiefs on the road for the first time in the playoffs are going to win it. The Chiefs have gone on the road and won in Frigid Orchard Park, New York. David Haw. I think the Lions will beat the Buccaneers. And for the second time ever, it can be said the Detroit Lions playing for an NFC championship. In this entire postseason, the Packers will come close, but not close enough. The San Francisco 49ers, for a third consecutive year, are headed to the NFC championship game. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. on 6.70 The Score. And the Packers still suck. Let's go. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Oh, what a weekend. What a what a topper. The last game of the weekend, the Chiefs at the Bills. I didn't think it could live up to the hype. It lived up to the hype. No doubt about it. Good morning, Mully. Happy Monday. This was a weekend that did meet expectations. Mm. We have four, final four. The games lived up to the billing. I think each game you could argue incrementally got better. And then the marquee matchup with the Bills and the Chiefs. Hard to top that one. Hard to top that one. Yesterday was such a fun day to just watch football with the Lions surviving the Bucks, And then the Bills, dare I say, blowing it against the Chiefs? Or did the Chiefs go out and seize it on the road? Well, I think kind of both things happened. Yeah. But – you know, at home. <laughs> Painful. Uh, Painful loss. Wide right. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Kevin 44 Hart. yards pass. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo have surfaced again. Thank you, Jim Nance. Yeah. Yeah. Jim knows a little something <laughs> about the, the slice of a golf club, for God's sake. <laughs> no doubt about it. And so they are eliminated. And I thought that was going to be their moment. A lot of things happened in that game. Wow. The fake punt. What was that? Yeah. And <laughs> what was that? The, the. Oh, boy. That was the big moment. The, the, no, no, no. Stefan Diggs 
Uh-huh. And that bomb that, that Josh Allen just unleashed, uncorked, that ball was up in the air forever. Did you think that Stephon Diggs should have caught that ball? If you're Stephon Diggs, don't you need to catch that ball? Listen, yes, he needed to catch that ball, and yes. But but if they hit a field goal, we're still playing. I know. You know, they, I, they I know. go to overtime, and who but, knows what happens. I, I just thought for the for the um, for the Mahomes to go in there and to win that game and to get to a six straight championship game. I mean, it's remarkable. It's unbelievable. It's remarkable consistency. They're gonna they're gonna play uh, at Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now think of those two quarterbacks. You know, it, am I overstating it? Let's say Lamar Jackson gets an MVP trophy this year, as a lot of people. He's likely. Think. He's likely to do that. So that would be his second. Yeah. Is he is he halfway to the Hall of Fame? Two MVPs for a quarterback in the NFL? Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. If he wins the MVP this year, he's on that track. I think it would help his cause if they have a championship too. And what do you think about Mahomes coming out? I mean, that's the first listen, ballot Hall of listen, Famer right now. This is his sixth year as a starter. It's his sixth straight AFC Championship game. That's what he, I'm saying. He's got 13 playoff victories. Yeah. The Bears, have, Bears haven't won a playoff game in 13 years. <laughs> I mean, it's he's absurd got, the winning that he experiences. It's unbelievable. He's got two Super Bowls already won. Yeah. I mean, that guy's going to the Hall of Fame. This is like, this should be another fantastic game it should be but on yesterday I think when you look at Mahomes it wasn't so much the highlight reel plays he had a couple of those it wasn't so much the explosiveness it was the efficiency it was the decision making it was his uncanny innate sense of knowing when to unload the ball and the faking out of the when he's going to throw then he's going to run then he's going to throw no oh boy I just Rasul Douglas didn't know what was happening, and all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes is going by him. He led that team when he needed the way he needed to lead that team, whatever it, it took. At, at one point, he threw the ball left-handed out of bounds <laughs> rather than get sacked. Yeah, right? That was great. I mean, that's an unbelievable play. Then you're right. He's running. He's gonna go. He's gonna throw the ball over the guy, and the guy is like, wah, wah, like he was in no man's land, and whoop, he goes right around him and. That was a hell of a run. And that to was his a credit, big moment in that game. Josh Allen matched Mahomes. I felt like he did everything he needed to do. He oh. was dangerous on the ground. He was dangerous with his arm. He should have had a bomb that was completed to Stephon Diggs. Yeah. The irony of that game, there are a lot of things that you could look at, the wide right and the other factors. But if there was going to be a receiver that would have a big drop and then one who would have a big catch – I would not have thought it was going to be Marquez Valdez-Scantling yeah. for the Chiefs coming up with a big catch, catch yeah, and big. Stephon Diggs having the big drop. I, I got to tell you, man, um, I don't know how you feel about the Kelseys. I know you're kind of done with it, and I laughed to myself <laughs> when I saw his shirtless brother. Uh, her brother-in-law, by the way. No, it's not. Where's your brother-in-law? No. Yeah. Tony. That's, that's, Come on, Tony. That's that. That, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a hair away from calling him an idiot because he's, he's, he's called, he, he, he's implied they're married twice. He's already officiated their wedding three and, times and was corrected yes. for it. And now in the playoff game, he thinks that's her brother-in-law. It's not funny. I can't decide whether he's trying to make a joke or is a is a guy that dated a celebrity. 
he's he's tweaking someone else, or he just forgets, or if or if maybe he's taking a shot too many. He's, he's, I, I'm just saying. It, there were times I, yesterday. To be mean, but I know you're not. What the hell was that? Well, that was not the only time all day where you wondered what he was thinking. He referenced late in the game Chris Jones coming close and affecting Josh Allen's throw. They showed the replay, and it didn't happen the way yeah. he described it. Yeah. I don't know what game he's watching sometimes. Well, he and used so, to be really good when he first came out. He was outstanding. But now he's a bit separated from the game. Has not aged well. And he it's like he stopped studying the well, game. What was your point about the Kelseys? Um, my point about the Kelseys <laughs> is that I have to ask. Uh, at one point, he catches a touchdown. Yes. And he gives the heart I know. to his girlfriend. Right. Who's I, known for that. I have to admit. I was suffering. Yeah. I was in the midst of Kelsey fatigue. Yeah. But at that moment, I smiled, and I thought, okay, that's cool. That's Who, cool. Is that her bodyguard? Who is she sitting next to? I'm not has, sure. That has a White Sox hat on. <laughs> Did you notice that? The guy to her right is wearing a White Sox hat. I don't hat. know. People don't wear a lot of socks. There's a lot anymore. of Kansas City presence in Chicago. It's nice to see some Chicago presence in Kansas City. Some dude who I believe must be a bodyguard of hers well I, i'm guessing because he was in that movie too <laughs> was he in that movie yeah, with the socks hat yeah i saw a socks hat in that movie was he really I was like hey, so he must be we need what to find that this guy out do wearing a we socks need to hat. find this out yeah is it just on. a fashion statement or did he grow up on the south side rooting for the you know socks of frank thomas era yeah go white socks go white socks yeah. seven um seven playoff appearances in the 42 years of the owner Soon to be 43. Next year, Patrick Mahomes will have seven playoff appearances in yeah. his eight years as an NFL quarterback. Yeah, yeah. He'll, be in the, <laughs> he'll be in the championship game next year. Uh, okay, I need to Because they'll improve the receiving Quickly court. about the Kelsey thing, and we'll move on, because okay. I don't want to dwell on it. No. I love the heart sign to Taylor. Okay. I, I didn't mind the cutaways to Taylor Swift. You know I'm a fan. But I, I, couldn't, I couldn't decide whether or not, when I saw Jason Kelsey shirtless, and jumping into the Buffalo crowd. I couldn't decide if that really amused me because that was highly entertaining. He was knocking him back. <laughs> he was man. knocking Every him back. Every time they cut to him, he's like, <laughs> it, it, it's, he's so big and his hand's so big. It looked like he was swallowing he's, like a Bud Light. He is big and jiggly. There was video of him in the Bills Mafia, like, Chugging stuff down. Like, he was, he was, he was he, the life of the party. He then. was hammered. Yeah. Let's oh, face he, it. No, I, I mean, he was hammered. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I know how people get drunk. But if he was doing all that, here's what I know. That impacts you. I don't care how big you are yeah. or how oh, yeah. how uh, much of a a uh, familiar habit that is. You're knocking him down like that. At you, some point, he's going to crash. Oh, you're gonna, He's going to be yeah. at the bottom of that pile with a tush he's push. He's going to wake up with a headache. Yes, he will. I mean. So I didn't know whether wow. to be wildly amused because it was funny or stay consistent with the okay put a shirt on already i'm tired of looking at this brother tandem yeah i i mean there's an element of put your shirt on <laughs> put now. your shirt on man i mean i don't want to see you shirtless at a at a at a sporting event everybody's indoors mowing your grass or jogging your miles yeah put a shirt on for yeah, god's sake that was a bit much but a bit much he did go to the game and I, uh, he was with his wife what a date that guy is <laughs> She's, she seemed to have that look on her face like, oh, yeah. she knows. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, just, with, I'm with Boozy the Clown over uh -oh. here. Oh, he's reached yeah. that point, uh -huh. kids. I've seen that look. So we're going to just move on here. Uh, yeah, he was out of, his, out of control a little bit. Oh, he, was, but 
kind of shot out of a cannon. Good for, good for the people that embraced the Bills Mafia and had fun in that setting, in that cold weather environment. You feel bad for Bills fans today. You just do. They cannot catch a break. No. I, you know what? I don't feel that sorry for them. <laughs> I kind of thought it was coming. I do. And I kind of. I do. I wanted them to win. I like, I like, uh. I like Bills fans. It's kind of funny to watch them and everything. But. They they were throwing snowballs at Patrick Mahomes. You see that video? No, they I was, did see yeah, that. They was th- they was chucking they're, at him. They throw snowballs. I mean, City players. Every fan base throws snowballs if there's snow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles made it. A did they hit habit. him? They didn't hit him. Did no, they? he was dodging them. Yeah, he was dodging them. He he had Elf come in and throw some <laughs> snowballs back at them. That was a game they should have won. And I, okay, we'll move on to the other games. I want you to explain this one to me as well because I struggle with okay, this good. every this time it happens. I love this. It, Tyler Bass, the kicker. Yeah. We heard the wide right call. We know okay. that will be the way they spend their offseason lamenting that miss. Yes. And everybody to a man who was a good teammate, we saw Josh Allen put the arm around him, said, you know what? It, it's not the kicker's fault. Because there should have been a game uh, situation we handled better. There, should have, there was a play here, a play there. It's not the kicker's fault. That's just one play. There are many plays that you could point to. No! I struggle with that. Because it's the kicker's fault? It's the kicker's fault. How long was that field goal? It was 40, was it 46 or 44? Makeable. 44 yards. 44 how yards. Many, how many 44-yard? How many how Makeable. Many, how many under 50? How many 50-yard field goals? do we see it was I wide mean, right it I was 27 24 listen it was never <laughs> on track he just lined up wrong i, I is it that never what it looked, was it never looked good it was that was that what it was was it, did I, he line I mean, up wrong did I, he hit it wrong did he miss hit it he, all of the above but it never looked like it was on track see, it never teased you like it's gonna no it turned no. Josh he's, Allen. He's never really online. 16 plays, 54 yards in the clutch when they needed it. Everybody did their jobs except for the kicker. That's happened in Buffalo before. It's happened everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and I struggled with that with the kickers. How long was the one in the Super Bowl? Uh, with Dustin. Scott Norwood? Yeah. How, was that 46 yards? It might have been 46. That sounds correct. I mean, I'm just saying. It's not. It, nowadays, it's a gimme. Back then, it was kind of a long field goal. A 44-yard field goal should be automatic. We saw it in Green Bay. Should be automatic. We saw it in Green Bay. The, uh, the kicker, the, the rookie who Matt LaFleur pra- plays for, prays for every time he takes the field missed. We saw, we saw a 50-yarder in the Detroit game, doink. And yeah. did you see Tarico set up Chris Collins? It's the playoffs. Do you want to say what you're going to And he paused, and Tarico's still waiting for him to say doink. Yeah. Every Bears fan is like cringing at the moment. But yeah, I don't I, want to be too harsh on kickers, but you have one job. I, I You have one job. I, I don't want to notice the announcer. You know what I mean? And Tariko makes me notice him a little more than I want to. And certainly, Tony Romo makes me notice him about five times more than I want to. And it, <sighs> doesn't it seem like he gets an idea in his head? If you can't run, they're running the ball too well. They're throwing guys around on the inside. All they got to do is run the ball. Well, they just which, lost. Which part do you want me to comment on there? Okay. Tariko or, or Romo? Well, because, I mean, thank God they're uh, not working together. Thank God. How's that? 
Oh, my God. If they were working together, I'd find the radio feed quickly. Also wondering uh, what Jack Collinsworth thinks of the game. Can we get more from him? <laughs> Please not. Please don't. By the way, Scott Norwood, 47 yards wide right. 47? Yeah. That's a, that is not a gimme. January 27th, 1991. No, that's not, not a, a gimme. gimme. But come on, give me a break. You lost the Super Bowl? You are there and the conditions weren't that bad. I know it's easy to say I'm not a kicker. Right. I don't I I I, I struggle though. You don't like kickers. <laughs> it's not that I don't you, like you don't, kickers. You don't like people who use their feet in sports. <laughs> Let's just admit it. It makes you sound I'm not anti soccer. I love soccer. Just kickers. I just yeah, kickers. Should have gotten it. Slot slot time would have hit it. By the way, oh we have breaking news here? We got breaking news here on the score. Uh oh. We got a sponsor? We have yeah. a we have yeah. breaking we news have here a on sponsor. the score. Breaking news on six seven of the score is presented by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com. All right, wait for it. So Tom Pelissero uh, reports on, on X. Uh-oh. The Bears are working toward a deal to hire Shane Waldron as their new offensive coordinator. Waldron, 44, spent the past three seasons as Seattle's offensive coordinator. Now he's expected to land in Chicago, which owns the number one pick with a big question looming at quarterback. That's according to Tom Pelissero. So that would be pretty reliable source. The Bears working toward a deal with Shane Waldron. The first guy, I believe, that they interviewed. they interviewed and targeted. They interviewed eight more guys. They were blocked from interviewing Kellen Moore from the Chargers. That report came overnight. And so the Bears appear to have found their guy. Wow. No second round. No second that, round. Yeah. The, you know, the Bears are like, okay, we'll interview 10 of them, and then we'll get down to five, and what? then we'll I, add I was, two more, and then we'll subtract one, and then, hey, it's, it's, it's not some kind of a nuclear formula for the love of God. Well, they might have. Uh, they they that's a good guy. They, they might have been compelled to move quickly because there are so many openings. He also interviewed in, in New Orleans with the Saints. Mm. You sense that there probably would be a growing yep. – number of teams that would be interested in Shane Waldron. has got a very good, good reputation, worked for Pete Carroll for the last three seasons. He right. had success with Geno Smith's revival of his career. Also, uh, uh, an offensive coordinator, as I'm sure Dave wants to, when we talk to him tomorrow, will attest, has a good history running the football. Leaned into the run with yes. the Seahawks a little bit. Comes from that Shanavay, McShan tree. So he's able to kind of adapt and adopt those principles the Bears have a, a seasoned, experienced play caller to work with whatever choice they make at quarterback. That's a good one. That's a good one. It, you know, when they interviewed him, I think we said, oh, you could hire him. I, and then we talked about who are you going with, who's your favorite. I think we all agreed it was him. That's pretty I, good. I think it's a very competent move. I, think I agree. It's, it's something that you can uh, feel a degree of confidence in his experience because he's done it before. I don't know that you had that feeling when they went out and they installed Luke Getze as a play caller coming from Green Bay, never done it before. I like when you have a nod to experience. I am a little bit curious what happened with Cliff Kingsbury because I was kind of excited about that possibility. Oh, you were, was, you were shot out of a cannon. You know, that I don't one. know where that one went amiss, but yeah. maybe it was just didn't work out, wasn't a good fit. We'll move on and see. Maybe I hope they got some good intel, though, during that interview. I hope they got some good intel on Caleb Williams from Cliff Kingsbury. That's worth it. You can Google wide right 
and you will find wide right and in parentheses Buffalo Bills. Two most dreaded words in Buffalo have surfaced again. It's true. Isn't that amazing? That, that would, the wide right dreaded is, words in Buffalo is a is a uh, Wikipedia entry. Three most dreaded words in Buffalo would be out of wings. <laughs> I've been to that. What's it called? The Anchor Bar? Is that it? The where Anchor the, Bar, yeah. Where the wings started? <laughs> yes. I got to tell you. I, I went there. I was not overly impressed. It has a little it. character. You have, to, yeah. you, have to under, you have to buy into the experience to be impressed by the experience. I, right? I, I don't want to go on a tirade or I don't want to. I, I just want to say. That the chicken wing was, of course, a disposable part of the chicken. Nobody really was looking for a chicken wing. And then you threw some hot sauce on it, little uh, ranch or, or ranch, cheese. definitely ranch. Either way, definitely blue ranch. cheese. And, nah, uh, not blue cheese. Well, mm. I mean, there. Uh, I know. I know people like that, but I don't. Yeah. I, I think when you talk about the wing, it's not about the meat. It's not about the composition of what part of the chicken you're eating it's about the sauce it's all about the sauce okay but i'm just saying you took a part of the chicken that mm. nobody really wanted <laughs> you What's don't next? think about that when like, you're ordering you the, don't care about that when you're drinking uh, a beer with it you I'll just have, don't want to uh, think about it i'll have some chicken with it, no please, no with shot of tequila i mean what i i'm just saying <laughs> It, it's not like that I, is the primo thing that you get in a chicken. But, oh, give me the wings. I love the wings. But you can sauce it up. You yeah, can, I understand. You can have the flavor you I, want. I, I'm not a wing guy. Dustin can attest to that because we've been to plenty of these places. I'm a big wing guy. I love wings. Really? Boneless wings are better. They're not really. Well, see, but now That's, it's not. Those are that, now, now we're going to get into a whole debate yeah, about I that. I know. That's chicken okay. nugget with sauce, David. Yeah, I that, think wings you have to work take, a little bit harder, but I'll do it. It's worth it. I take the boneless wing over a, a chicken wing. So, but it, then it's a it's kind of like it, I love this one. Yeah, it, same church, different pew, as I like to say. Okay, it, nachos. Okay, if you go to United Center or Wrigley Field or Thirty Fifth and Shields, I don't know. I'm assuming Soldier Field has it. Okay, tortilla chips with processed cheese with maybe give or take, depending on how you want. But, um, pickled jalapenos. That's not nachos. That's Spicy chips. Meat. That's okay. chips and cheese. Like nachos has like tomatoes and lettuce and cream and guac and meat or beans and that. that, that. What, ex- what that, expect for fifteen ninety five? It's chips and cheese. It, right? It's chips and cheese. That's not nachos. And boneless, get, boneless can, chicken wings are not chicken wings. They are nuggets with hot sauce. I don't. I'm not okay, really, that's fine. I, I'm not really into semantics when I'm hungry. I just want to okay. eat. Do you want somebody to? Shop up, ranch, please. Shop up a bunch of chicken wings, process that sure. somehow. If I'm hungry and enough, put that on your that, nachos. I, well, then, I, it's, then it's approaching nachos, chips and cheese. A cup of cheese dip and chips is how, not nachos. That's how chips much and cheese. meat is in a wing. You got to find. Depends little, on the wing. There's you got to work there, your rear end. I, I can honestly say I have never cared. Okay, I have never cared. All right. Because like you're I not, don't put you on wings. Well, sometimes you feel like you get cheated, David. I've had a couple of wings that I was unsatisfied just with. Give me in another my, one. You know. Just let me try another one. All right. You know, you, just, you you take what you get. Oh, do you have any bones that 
faintly could remind me I mean, of you know, The other problem with chicken wings, it depends who you're with. Like, if it's you and five guys watching a football game, like, yes. okay, you go to town on the wing. But, like, if you're out with, like, your kids or your wife or a girlfriend, like, oh, yeah. wings aren't exactly – it's like ribs. If you're out on a date, it, it, it's at ribs. you suddenly Another, have you know, a knife and fork. Right. It's fascinating, yeah. though. What, what difference does it make who, what company you keep? I, if it's how messy and you're like attacking yeah. it. Like I put a wing in my mouth, David, and I pull it out and there's if just I, a bone. If left. I'm at a job interview and I'm not going to be like, hey, give me the wings and bring extra napkins, please. No. But if <laughs> I mean, I'm with my family, I really don't care. They know what I'm what I like. They don't chicken I, wings. Yeah. There's better things to eat. I'll just say it. Okay. Okay. You want to use the sauce, <laughs> you wanna lick it around, you wanna make a mess of yourself and use a roll of towels. That's fine by me. Poor Buffalo. But let's they lose pretend. a football game wide right, and now you're criticizing their main cuisine. Yeah, I, I, I have, if that's your main uh, cuisine, that means you're dead broke. What, what, let's get that. What straight. else is? What else are they known yeah, for? Yeah, but wings, Molly, wings aren't wings are no longer the cheapest part of the chicken. If you're in the jewels, if you know what I mean. I don't. What's the cheapest part of the chicken? I, I mean, thighs or legs are usually like ninety nine cents or like a dollar ten. Wings are not ever ninety nine cents, and if they are, you're getting a rain check up I'd the counter. There's more meat on a thigh than there I'd is rather on sauce a wing. up some wings and eat a thigh. Oh, the thighs are really good, depending on how you smoke them or barbecue them, whatever. I had a couple in the air fryer last night. Oh, they turned out good. delicious. Yes, okay. thighs, yeah. and I dipped them guys. in some barbecue I'm sauce. Hungry, and it's only not even six o'clock yeah. yet. So why are we talking stop about it. wings? Please stop. How did our conversation about wide right turn into the anchor bar and wings? Well, wide right Buffalo, maybe that's it. Fantastic weekend of football. The Bears have an offensive coordinator. The Sox still talking to people in the South Loop. Jerry Reinsdorf briefed some local politicians over the weekend. We need to talk about that. Oh, that's unbelievable. It really is. Because of the positivity that came out of that. How do you blame them for leaving? This I, is from the older person, the older woman from the ward where from, from Bridgeport. Yes, she backtracked that a little bit on Saturday, well, but there was a lot of probably excitement. the reaction. Was, and and Molly, the, the, we'll talk about it. But yes, the thing that's so interesting is that the acknowledgement that Jerry Reinsdorf is involved in briefing people about what he wants to do, and we've got to find out who the hell Nick Dunlop is. Okay. I had never heard his name before, and now he's apparently going to challenge all of Tiger's records. So we'll get into that as well. Dustin, I'm surprised you haven't brought that up. We'll, uh, we got the pick six next. We're going to tear apart all the stories of the day. It's Mully and Haw on the score. It's pick six with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick six with Mully and Haw starts now. The Bears have been interviewing OCs like crazy, but they have finally announced a D.C. candidate, Chris Harris, Will it take eight more interviews to get a handle on this one, or will it work faster because Matt Eberflus is the defensive play caller? Yeah, I think it works faster. I don't think you need as many candidates because this isn't a play-calling job, ostensibly. Maybe if somebody, you know, you're interviewing one guy, so if he wants to take the job, I would give it to him. I don't know that you're looking for somebody to call plays, but certainly you want the same philosophy. Did, have they, I know I know uh, Chris Harris has been here. 
Has his path crossed with Matt Eberflus anywhere? I don't believe so. Yeah, so that's kind of weird. Just a little odd. But go ahead, get the offensive coordinator done, and then finish up your hires, get all that in, and hopefully uh, a guy like um, Shane Waldron um, has a quarterback's coach in his hip pocket, a couple other coaches that he wants to work with. Um, you give him that leeway, and then you um, and then you figure out the defense. But I, I think that because of the fact that you have a play caller as a head coach, I don't think that you need an extensive, um, expanded list of um, of defensive coordinators. I think a, a guy like this would be great. Bring him in, work your system. He, you know, he's a good guy. We know that from his time here. And, um, and again, you're not looking for a play caller, so I don't need – I don't think you need to interview 10 people. Again, the offense is so different because it, you're basically running your own little FIFA. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think you need to get up to 8, 9, 10 on this. I, I like the idea of Chris Harris. This is also something that when Eberflus was hired, along with Ryan Poles, like they talked about wanting to – um, get former Bears back in the building, you know, back around the team. They were big on alumni. So I, I like this move, right? I mean, it just – you have to look at Chris Harris's past. Like, is he coaching the same type of defense that Matt Eberfuss is running? That's obviously got to be a big part of this. They're not looking – they're not looking to have a, a new style of defense. But I think players – I believe players gravitate towards former players. I think they they look at what's going on in Tex down in Houston with right. the Texans. I mean, D'Amico D'Amico looks like he could still play. He probably could, quite frankly, yeah. right? So I think if you look at that, I yeah. think that might be a nice parallel. Look, Chris Harris started for the Bears in the Super Bowl. They ran the cover two defense. They're trying to mimic what he executed at a very high level. Chris Harris was a popular Bear. He was a good Bear. He also broke into coaching with the Bears. And John Hoke was here. His secondary coach mm-hmm. was the guy that was on the staff when Chris Harris was making the transition from player to coach. There are so many reasons to like this move and this direction if they finish the job. They may interview other people. I don't know what they're looking for, but they may have found it. Chris Harris has been in the league, got some experience, and if you consider Chicago his NFL home, maybe it's time for him to come home. This would be a great move, I think, for him in his career, and I think it would be a terrific move for the Bears and this staff, knowing what they're looking for, knowing you're going to have to get a guy that doesn't have a huge ego and wants to learn and wants to be part of something that they believe can be special, and this defense can be special. So I love this development in terms of the defensive coordinator. And as we know, as we reported last um, segment, they have finished the search for the offensive coordinator. Shane Waldron will take that job. So things are moving along pretty well for the Bears in terms of their staff. And uh, that's a good sign. I'm not talking necessarily about a pick six or something like that. That's the voice of Brad Biggs. He's here at 7 a.m. Big time. Can you believe the Lions book passage to the NFC title game in San Francisco on the anniversary of Dan Campbell's introductory kneecap news conference three years ago? Do you consider that a promise kept? That is absolutely a promise kept. And you can't help but have respect for what Dan Campbell has accomplished in Detroit for the Lions and that city and that franchise. 
And it's the power of his passion. There's no doubt about it. And you don't always have to like his methods or be a, somebody that, that laughs at all of the jokes or all of the references. He can be a little bit over the top for some people, but he has made an impact and he has kept his promise. This is a Lions team that's tough mentally. They're tough physically. They are a team that never quits and never gives up. And they aren't the Detroit Lions we're used to seeing. It has been such a long time since they won a playoff game, and now they have two in this postseason. I wouldn't rule them out against the 49ers. It's going to be fun to break that game down. They're going into San Francisco. The 49ers escaped the Packers. The Lions are coming in hot. They're coming in hot. They believe they can get to the Super Bowl, and the reason they believe it is because Dan Campbell says it, and everything about this season for the Lions is about his belief and confidence in them, and it's powerful. Yeah, he definitely kept the promise. There's no doubt about that. And right away, when you you think about that in three years, three years, you think about, I think about, I don't say you, I think about, Ryan Poles, and we're going to take the North and never give it back. But but how far away, after watching this weekend's games, right, how, how far away with the way the Lions are put together? we got a real young Packers team north of the Cheddar Curtain that's put together. And, the, you know, the Lions are going to be different next year. No matter what happens the rest of the way, they're, they're going to be different. Players and coaches aren't going to be – they're all not going to be there together. They're, they are not going to be able to run this entire thing back. That's for sure. You know, they might lose both – of their coordinators to head coaching jobs. And they yep. might be better. They're, they're definitely their offensive coordinator is going to be a head coach in the league, right? He, people are waiting to talk to him. So that's something to, to contemplate. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't think of, um, of Ryan Poles. I thought of Nick Sirianni. I thought Nick Sirianni had the worst introductory news conference <laughs> I had ever seen. And I couldn't believe that guy ended up getting to a Super Bowl. So he hasn't been fired yet uh, after this year. So we'll see uh, what changes they make on that staff. But Dan Campbell came out of his news conference. It, it was clownish. Everybody was laughing at how emotional he got and the biting the kneecaps and all that stuff. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're hearing these comparisons with Ditka, the former player, as former players working for him, and he's an emotional guy and all this stuff. So it's, it is, um, it just, I guess it goes to show that if you have a really bad introductory news conference, I thought his was hilarious. I thought the kneecap stuff it was, was farcical. Very, it, but it was farcical. It was easy to make fun it of. It was like someone yeah. playing a character. Not necessarily exactly anyone showing character, but I, I mean the Sirianni thing. Do you remember that? <laughs> that was, was worse. Oh my God! Yeah, that, that was, was almost terrible. like incompetent. Yes. It, so I, I will, uh, I'll say kudos to to Dan Campbell. Absolutely. You know who he's uh, has a lot of ex players on his staff, but I was reminded yesterday one of them, a Chicago guy, Antoine Randall L. Yeah, he's coaching wide receivers. Yeah, and he's in the midst of everything there. And he's a guy that was in a Super Bowl, I think, for the mm -hmm. Steelers. Yes. And had a very good NFL career. Super Bowl. Yeah. So that was pretty cool to see him on the sidelines. Yeah. I forgot it, who asked the question. It, it's good stuff. With Ravens QB Lamar Jackson running for two TDs, throwing for two more in Baltimore's playoff victory over the Texans, 
What effect, if any, will Jackson's postseason success have on our citywide debate here in town over the potential of Justin Fields? Do you think the Bears saw Jackson and thought, our guy can do that too? No. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that they thought that. It didn't really occur to me, to be honest with you. I, I think they are very different players. And Lamar is a totally, I get it. The similarity is that they are running quarterbacks that can damage you in multiple ways. But I think Lamar is a, a significantly different, different player than Justin Fields. I think he's more accurate as a passer. And I think his transition from being the running quarterback to passing more this year is a necessary one for quarterbacks to make. And I think wherever Justin Fields is playing next year, and maybe it's here, um, he will be less run and more throw. Because as we saw with Justin Fields, running quarterbacks get hurt. They go down. And uh, you got to be careful to have them healthy at the end. Um, I, it didn't occur to me. I watched the game. I just think Lamar is such a talented player and, and such a kind of higher-level player than Justin Fields, who is incredibly fast and great in the open field and can pull out of tackles, but he, he's not as elusive, if you will. Um, just a different style player, maybe a stronger runner, but not as good as Lamar, and I, I didn't make the connection in my head. Now that I'm thinking about it, okay, there's elements of that, and you got to lean into it like they have, but that's because they're in the playoffs now and they're trying to win. I, I said that. I, I said that to somebody yesterday. I, I said Justin Fields could have done that. I really felt that. I do. I, I feel that, and I'm telling you, if if Justin Fields – is the QB one next year? Mm -hmm. They're going to use that to sell that to the fans and the media. There's no doubt about that. I, I I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I see Lamar Jackson having 100 rushing yards and 152 passing yards, 16 to 22. And I just thought, if you're a Bears fan defending Justin Fields, and we know there are many of those, they're thinking, well, yeah, we could do that. Who needs Caleb Williams? That Justin Fields could do that. I don't know that he can. I'm with you, Molly, in terms of, like, the accuracy is the missing element. But the highlight reel stuff is there. Justin Fields, as a runner, I think can match Lamar Jackson at times. Lamar Jackson's an MVP. He's got a better team around him. All the things that remain true. But I think it's impossible to, to watch Lamar Jackson over the weekend if you're a Bears fan supporting Justin Fields and not think, well, you know, if the Bears just got one more guy – on the, on the edge, they got one more lineman or two more linemen, and they got somebody who could call plays to take advantage of that and lean into it, then they could get there. I don't know how realistic it is, and I certainly wouldn't buy into it necessarily, but I do think it's easy to understand why people who defend Justin Fields, and if they bring him back, and that's still a possibility, I suppose, if they bring him back, they'll lean into all of this potential that they see realized in Baltimore. He doesn't make the anticipatory throw. I agree. I'm not saying it's Talking necessarily valid in terms of the passing comparison. 
Because Lamar Jackson makes some good throws. Yes, he does. But he's got some really good receivers. He, he doesn't have to see the ball into people's hands in the same way that Justin sees. And, and, and remember what you said in the first segment, which I think is very interesting and also perceptive. Lamar Jackson, if he wins another MVP, is on a Hall of Fame track. So let's be careful in how much we're making this leap. It's a quantum leap of faith. But I do think it's one people will try. I always love how you ask me questions about the Packers, Molly. Well, that's the voice of Stacey Dales, and I'm sure there'll be a Packers question involved in the conversation at 9 o'clock right here on the Mully and Haw Show. On Saturday, the 49ers, for the first time in 31 games after trailing by five or more points, entering the fourth quarter when they rallied to beat the Packers. What was the biggest reason for that? Does that remove any lingering doubts about Brock Purdy? I don't know that it does. I like the fact that he came through, and I like the fact that he made that nice completion. It was in time, on time, and I like the fact that he overcame a shaky start in inclement weather and all of the things that Jordan Love had to do as well, and Jordan Love looked a lot more polished doing so. You know I'm a Brock Purdy guy. I loved his story as a rookie. I like the fact that he's a game manager on the best team left, I think, in the field. But I don't know that I trust him. I don't know that I look at this game against the Lions and think that there's one way that I think the Lions beat the 49ers. It's if Brock Purdy turns the football over and lacks a little velocity on a pass or throws and sails one wide and throws a pick when he can't afford to throw a pick. So I don't know that if that example on Saturday, even though it did give them their first victory of five or more points in, or a deficit first rally in the fourth quarter in 31 tries, I don't know if it removed as many doubts of Brock Purdy as much as they reinforced some because I want to believe in Purdy because he's been pretty good. But I don't know that I do. <laughs> You're beautiful. <laughs> After watching that game Saturday night and then re-watching the second half Sunday morning before – the next set of games started, which is what I did yesterday. Mm. Uh, Brock Purdy, eh, he, he, I guess maybe he's pretty good, but he's not good enough. I, I mean, I am shocked that the, the 49ers are seven-point favorites right now, according to uh, Circus Sports Illinois. Seven point. I, wow. that, 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 that I am surprised. I, I don't know what I don't know what we saw that would make you believe that the 49ers are a full touchdown better than the Lions. I mean, the Packers kind of gave that game away. They got a little too aggressive. And then, guess what they did? They also missed a field goal in the fourth quarter. So, hmm. I I find this fascinating because I know we just pick things apart here for a living. But, um, okay, so they had that graphic. They're 0 for 30 when trailing by five or more points. Uh, entering the fourth quarter. The first play of the fourth quarter was a field goal. So it was now down to four. I'm just saying, that was the first play. Right. They could have kicked it at the end of the third, semantics. but it was a four. <laughs> I know it's semantics. Right. But they are 0-36 when they trail by eight or more in the fourth quarter. So that's still that one's still out there. I think it, it, you know, it's great that they came back and won the game. And, and I know, you know, I'm picking it apart a little bit. But I still worry about them trailing. I still worry that even a team like Detroit could, 
could go up eight on them in the fourth quarter, and I don't think Brock Purdy is coming back. I don't know why I'm not in love with him um, and his great story and the only guy, not a first-round draft pick, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, all that stuff. Um, I don't know why that makes me feel like he's going to struggle in big moments. But to me, he's a game manager. He can manage the team. They've got a really good football team. It's really well-balanced. If they end up down eight somehow in the fourth quarter, I don't see him bringing them back. If they're down a couple scores, I don't see him bringing them back. Now, I'm probably wrong about that, but I just don't see the kind of arm talent. He's a good player, and he's a really good kind of game manager, and he certainly fits what they're doing. But I don't know that there's a ton of, you know, there's a lot of competence with him, but I don't know how much special is there. I don't know that he would be the guy that I would want to build my team around. Um, and uh, You know, is Debo hurt? Is he okay? He left the game, and that hurt them. I just don't know. I, I don't. They got Ayuk, and they got, you know, Christian McCaffrey. They got a lot of weaponry. We'll address this later, but is, is he one bad game in the NFC Championship game from losing his job? Yes. I think if he has a bad game, then you're he's the kind of guy, totally mean-spirited and, and unnecessary for me to say, he's the kind of guy you're going to be looking to replace, especially if you fall short of your goal. Terrific question. Need to get that answered. Don't have it for you today. Well, Bruce will be here at uh, 845 answering questions about both the White Sox and the Cubs. Uh, how do you feel about 11th Ward Alderwoman Nicole Lee saying she has seen the White Sox opportunity in the 78 and wouldn't blame them for taking it. What does that tell you about the possibilities for the project? I got to tell you, I mean, are there are there no obstacles to this? This came up. We all thought, wow, you know, that's high concept. That's a great idea. Look at the area. Just look at a, a aerial photo of that. You think put home base here and you got the I mean honestly <laughs> the that's view, how you, the skyline oh my god it's fantastic right <laughs> so you can't help but look at it like that I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop you know when we get to financing and how how is the public supposed to pay for this or who's gonna actually pay right now I haven't heard any negativity at all and to hear the older woman who gets the presentation and it's kind of like, well, you know, we don't want to lose them, but good God, wouldn't you want to run there? I get it. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it. It's unbelievable the positivity surrounding this project. Yeah. When does the other shoe drop? I, I hope it never does. I hope they get this going. And so far, it's been nothing but positive momentum. It's the White Sox. It's strange. It's Chicago. Something's coming, right? Isn't there going to be some haymaker be. you never saw coming? Got to be. Well, at the end of the day, it's always going to be about who's flipping the bill, right? I mean, that, that's going to be. But I, my question is, somebody like a real estate expert or an architectural expert, like, why has this sat? Yeah. Why has this plot of land, yeah. the 78, 
sat vacant for so long? Like, what has have other things tried? Casino. Yeah, there was a casino project. But that, but that's, but there's many like, there's lots of things uh, to get in the way of a casino. I mean, to say, that's one of them. Yeah, you're that's right. One Thank you, though. You're yeah. right. I mean, it just seems like I'm scratching my head to try to figure out why this has been nothing for f- so long. I don't know. Maybe people couldn't find ways to pay for it. Maybe the Sox can't either. Bruce reported Saturday and inside the clubhouse that he has information that suggests they're going to try to finance this privately without public money. Good luck. I don't know if they can do that. That is a non-starter. It's got to be a non-starter. we got to stick firm to that, even as good as this sounds. It's a tremendous concept. I love the imagination of it. This is the most positive White Sox news since Tim Anderson homered in the cornfields. This is exciting <laughs> stuff. And you can understand why people are getting behind it. Even the older woman who's losing potentially the White Sox in Bridgeport because you see the possibility, the development in the city, the way that this neighborhood, which is thriving, has made it possible for a ballpark to come into there and let the organization thrive rather than the other way around. Remember when it used to be build the ballpark and then the neighborhood will grow around it. This is the opposite way, but it could work. The thing that makes me think it's it's moving on and moving forward was the report that Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't waste time. As Mark Gannis told us last week, he briefed local politicians along with Related Midwest, the company that owns the land, on Friday night about what they want to do. He's not wasting his time briefing local politicians unless he's serious about exploring the possibility. It's fun. This will be a pick six. There's your ball game. A federal judge granted Illinois star Taryn Shannon Jr.'s request for a temporary restraining order on Friday, paving the way for Shannon, who is charged with rape, to rejoin the team after three weeks away, and he played yesterday. Should he have? Well, everyone's going to have an opinion on this. He is innocent until proven guilty. He's also charged with rape. And the university saw enough issues and had enough troubling evidence in front of them with that charge to suspend him. The courts got involved, and they had to reinstate him, technically. You're the coach. You're Brad Underwood. You don't have to play him. There's nothing, I think, legally that can compel a judge to say, you know what, you need to play a zone defense and you need to play Terrence Shannon Jr. and you need to run this out-of-bounds play. No. The court has no jurisdiction in the coaching office. He does not have to play him. What I want to know, and I need to know, if I am an Illinois fan, if I'm a college basketball fan, if I'm a sports fan in general, what I want to know, what I need to know is what changed. If Illinois was so upset with the charge and what that represented and what that meant for having Terrence Shannon Jr. represent your university, your basketball program, and they were so troubled that they suspended him, how in the world can he take the floor when nothing has changed? I want to hear from Josh Whitman. I want to hear why Brad Underwood played him, and I want to know why. I want to hear from the university president because they have an obligation to explain this better than it's been explained. I think hearing from – the athletic director, David, as you mentioned, would be really interesting because they were uh, very disappointed in what happened um, based on the allegations. But when a judge, if, if we're following the law, right? But you're right, David. I mean, he's on the team. So he gets to dress. He goes through warm-ups. He gets 
to, you know, be in his dorm or whatever, you know, whatever the housing is. He gets his education paid for. He gets his food paid for by the school. They probably can't stop that. But, yeah, I mean, Underwood doesn't have to play him. But you wonder, like, did Underwood and the AD have a conversation about that? And who made the final call? Yeah, this is a very complicated one because the reason that he was um, allowed to uh, to play, the reason they, the judge lifted the suspension is because the argument was that his future was impacted by it. So, in other words, because he is um, not yet proven guilty, and I don't know what evidence is out there, but they did charge the guy with rape. But this would impact his ability to get drafted to play in the NBA. I mean, listen, this is already going to impact it. I don't know that that getting 16 points and four assists is is going to do a lot to change that. And he came out in the game and got the ball to other people, and you know didn't try to take over till he'd been on the court a little bit. So he wants everyone to know that he's a team player and he can play with the guys, et cetera. Um, so that's why the judge did it. But you're absolutely correct. Um, the judge didn't give you how many minutes he has to play <laughs> to protect his career or how many points he has to score or the role that he has to be in. You know, he didn't start the game, but he played the majority of it. Um, and And you can argue – that, well, the guy's been out, so you could have slow-rolled it, but you chose to get him right involved, and he was good, and it helped you. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, there's all sorts of reports out there. You talk about Josh Whitman, that the Illinois police, the university, knew what was coming and what he was going to be charged with, and it caught everyone unaware, and they had no idea this was coming. That's what we were told. Well, apparently someone did. Someone did. And so why wasn't that told to the guy making the decision on this? And what would have been done? And how would the judge have reacted if um, if word got out about it earlier? And would this already have been handled? But it's a very ugly situation. Um, you can't help but think about the victim of a crime like that and how they're impacted. It's a, that's a, that's a life-impacting moment you know I, I mean if you were a victim of something like that I don't know what kind of counseling you need how you get over it I don't know what intimacy issues you now have in your life it's a really horrible that's why it seems almost thing. wrong to reduce to just well should he be able to start and play for a team yes. that has final four aspirations right it's a tough one to make it a basketball issue it's a very complicated yeah. um, reality in it not a pretty story. All right, we got the extra point next. We're going to talk about the NFL's Final Four. We'll do that next. It's Mully and Haw on the score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. What's your reaction to the NFL's Final Four? Are you supporting the buy teams to meet in the championship games? Who are you taking in those games at this point? Yeah, it's early, but I do think that when you look at what we saw over the weekend, tremendous football, and we're all glued to the sets, and there was a lot of developments. But I think that the Ravens at home 
seem very hard to pick against. I think this is Lamar Jackson's moment. And John Harbaugh is a coach you trust to get everybody in the right mindset. They're not going to have a letdown. They play a brand of football that is physical and fast and really the kind of thing you want to copy. And, yes, Roquan Smith in the middle of everything is kind of fun for certain people to watch and I think painful for others in Chicago especially. But I do like the Ravens, and I do think that they're better than the Chiefs overall. The Chiefs got away with one in Buffalo. You give credit where it's due. Patrick Mahomes did what he needed to do, and that defense played well when they had to. But they missed a field goal that would have tied the game. I don't know about overtime. I still like the Ravens in the AFC. In the NFC, Brock Purdy's the only reason I have questions about the 49ers. They escaped the Packers. They didn't beat the Packers. They escaped the Packers. Jordan Love had a pretty good day. I know he had the wild interception that ended things, but he had to try to make something happen. I like the 49ers right now, but the Lions, as a touchdown underdog, that all week is going to eat at them. And he's going to find a way to use it. Dan Campbell can coach now. He's passionate, and they're going to have purpose, and they could, they're going to play well. But I think right now I'm looking at, yeah, 49ers and Ravens, and the week off actually helped. Well, that's a great question. Did, did the week off help? Because, if, if you know, at 10-10, the Ravens did played a much better game in the first half than the Texans were playing. The Texans were penalized a bunch of times, but they couldn't figure out their offense, and they couldn't score. They kept moving down the field. Um, I, I picked, when we when we did this originally, I picked... Chiefs 49ers. If anything, I'm actually more confident in the Chiefs right now than I am the 49ers. No Debo Samuel will be a big loss if he can't go. We still don't know where where that is exactly. I haven't looked ahead. What what is the weather in both of these games and how does that impact you know the Lions if the Lions have to play in a game like the Packers and 49ers did Saturday night? How does that affect the Lions? That's a question I have. Listen, are we ready to have the Super Bowl be a rematch of the opening night of the NFL, Chiefs-Lions? Right now, at least from a gambling standpoint, I'm taking the points with both teams right now, and I wouldn't be surprised if we have a Chiefs-Lions Super Bowl on February the 11th. I think the Chiefs are so interesting because here they are. They go on the road. They go to uh, to Buffalo. Who gave them much of a shot against Josh Allen and how they had played at the end of the year and Buffalo getting back into it and getting um, what uh, Tony uh, Romo pointed out was home field advantage, and they worked for it all year, <laughs> even though it took the end of the year for them to get it, whatever. Oh, gosh. Um, I, I – you know, you, you, how do you put this? I thought the quarterback was like standing in line for an ice cream cone. He never looked like he was shaken. He never looked overly concerned. He never got into any kind of a, a panic of any sort. I, I, I love Lamar Jackson. I think he's a great player. But if I wanted one quarterback in one game right now in the NFL, I'd take the guy that's not the MVP. I take the guy that is has been an MVP since he came into the league, the surefire Hall of Famer, 
although this is a match of uh, of two guys that are going to have the credentials to get there. I just think winning in the playoffs is a way we judge people more so than even their ability and what they can do. I, I kind of, if the Chiefs are going to not drop the ball and they're going to make some catches, then Patrick Mahomes is going to be the guy to back in any game. What is the spread? Three and a half? You know, Baltimore is really good. And John Harbaugh is a really good coach. But Andy Reid's a real good coach. Spags, they, you know how they won that game? They scored enough points, but their defense at the end of the game stopped Buffalo. Did Buffalo choke? Are we going to say that? They stopped them at the end of that game. And they definitely choked on the field goal. And I don't know that you can project that to other teams, but other teams are going to have more panic than the Chiefs are going to have because of how many guys have been there before, et cetera. Stephon Diggs needs to catch that ball. And if oh he catches that ball, we not be, we're having a different I, we're conversation. We're having a different conversation this morning. But, you know, the, so that's one. I don't think that the Lions are good enough to go into Santa Clara and win that game. I just don't think – I think the Lions are real solid. They got some good players. They need to throw the ball more to Laporta. I don't know why. It seems like every time they throw him the ball, he catches it, and they have a, a nice gash on offense. But for whatever reason, I just don't like them on the road. I kind of like – I think that if I had to pick a road team, and I understand the hesitation because of Purdy – but um, I, I would be more likely to think that Mahomes can do something great on the road than than J- Jared Goff. Jared Goff's pretty good in California. I know. Certainly in that from part there. of California. Right, right. Northern California, then he went to SoCal and got to the Super Bowl. I mm-hmm. think he could have an efficient day, but I just don't know if that'll be enough. Yeah, I don't think so. So I'm going to say that uh, the Lions lose, and, the, uh, and I think the um, – the Chiefs might be able to win, hmm. and it's a different it's a different uh, idea. I think one team more likely to not be there at the end than the other. That's all. All right, that is the pick six. The number three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Am I wrong to be waiting for the momentum to die on the seventy eight? I don't know why. It, maybe because I'm a. It's Sox not dying. Fan. Let's. It's, well, it's I hope up. not. I hope it continues to. I hope you're right. But am I wrong to just be kind of sitting here waiting for, okay, what's the It's a conditioned response. Yeah, it is. And I totally understand it. All right, 312-644-6767, Mully and Haw on the score. You know, obviously you want to have somebody that's a great teacher. You know, uh, I think that's important because, you know, he has to coach the coaches to coach the position. I think that's the number one trait of any great coach. Um, You know, you have to be able to have uh, the innovation, you know, to to really look at um, the players that you have and be able to help enhance and put those guys in position to succeed uh, and to get explosives and to move the ball down the field. So um, that right there, I think, is the most important thing. Uh, The the teacher part of it and then the innovation part of it and the creativity, I think, is going to be the biggest part. Mullion Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. That, of course, Matt Eberflus talking about what he is looking for in an offensive coordinator. And apparently, he has found it. The big news this morning, breaking overnight, Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network reports the Bears have come to an agreement with Shane Waldron 
as their new offensive coordinator, replacing Luke Getze. Shane Waldron comes to the Bears from the Seahawks, was made available when the Seahawks parted company. Some would say fired Pete Carroll the last three seasons. He has been their offensive coordinator. Comes to the Bears with a wealth of play-calling experience. That's what you like. That's what you need. You need somebody who is seasoned. You need somebody who has done it before, who's not afraid to run the football, who has success in resuscitating a career in Geno Smith. 312-644-6767. What do you think? The Bears interviewed nine offensive coordinator candidates. The 10th, they were blocked from doing. Kellen Moore from the Chargers. The Chargers didn't want anybody talking to Kellen Moore. I get that. The Bears talked to Cliff Kingsbury. I liked that. I liked that possibility because of what it represented in terms of ambition. Cliff Kingsbury, former head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, guy who was the architect of the air raid offense at Texas Tech. He coached Mahomes. He coached Kyler Murray. He coached Baker Mayfield. Okay. They met with him Friday in Los Angeles, did not come to terms. Shane Waldron is the new offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. His background is interesting, too. He's a guy, for all you Notre Dame fans out there, and I know there's at least one of them in this studio or in this control room, in this vicinity. Dustin is a Notre Dame fan. You might remember Shane Waldron was a general uh, graduate assistant. He was a GA for Charlie Weiss back in 2005. That's how he got into coaching. He went to Tufts University as an undergrad. He was a tight end and long snapper. I'm sure Patrick Manley will approve. Shane Waldron started his coaching career at Notre Dame as a GA, but then he worked for Bill Belichick in New England. He worked in Washington as a quality control coach, where I think he probably was exposed to that great staff and that great infrastructure, which included maybe Kyle Shanahan at the time. But then he went on to the Rams because Sean McVay was in Washington. And in 2017, Shane Waldron was hired by the Rams under Sean McVay as the passing game coordinator. That is the link that you like because that exposed him to getting that early experience, that scheme schematically it fits. And then he went on to the Seahawks where the last three seasons he has been the offensive coordinator for Pete Carroll. Here's the other thing you like. You like the fact that he's called plays for a defensive-minded head coach. Pete Carroll's a defensive-minded head coach. And so is Matt Eberflus. Don't need to tell you that. Some defensive-minded head coaches can succeed. We saw Sean McDermott still alive in the playoffs. D'Amico Ryans still alive in the playoffs. Pete Carroll was successful, has a Super Bowl as a defensive-minded head coach. It can work, people. It does. But you've got to get the offensive coordinator right. You've got to get a lot of other things right. And so I think that Shane Waldron gives you a chance to have credibility, to have somebody who's done it before. And yes, 773 Texter, I do think it's a good choice by the Bears. I agree with you. It's solid. It's safe. It's certainly not as sexy as maybe Cliff Kingsbury would be, but you, you do get somebody who's competent and capable, capable and you can trust on third and two. So he's taking the job. Does that mean he knows who the quarterback is? No, I don't think so. Okay. I think he probably has an inkling. And a guy like that, look, you, you know, his background, doesn't it suggest that he doesn't really care? Not, not doesn't care. 
I don't want to be so flippant, but I think he probably will, will want to say in that. Yeah. But he also, in Seattle, you know, he was there. I, I have to – he was there when, when Geno Smith was coming. Like, probably was like, what, what are we doing here? We've got a young guy in, in, in Locke, Drew Locke. We've got an older guy coming in, Geno Smith. I imagine that all he wanted to do was get a quarterback that could execute his game plan and be a guy that protected the football. Does it make you believe that Fields is going to be the starter next year or that they're drafting Caleb Williams or someone else? I think this is neither. I don't know that this tips the Bears' hand at all. Okay. I think if you hired Cliff Kingsbury, certainly you did. If you hired Greg Roman, it certainly would have. Right. You could have jumped to conclusions. But I think this is almost a neutral hiring. Neutral in terms of does it indicate one way or another. Until we hear him talk – I don't know that we can make that assumption. I think that you, you, you're going to hear this, 708 text in. Nobody in Seattle sad to see him go. That's so Bears. Eh, okay. I think the offensive coordinator in most NFL cities is the most unpopular guy in town. Yeah, I, I'm very curious to see how this works. This is I, – I believe this is kind of a promotion. I know – that Pete Carroll is a defensive-minded guy and he's the head coach and he wants to play uh, their version of complimentary football. But I think with this job, um, Matt Eberflus has less sort of overall view of the game than Pete Carroll does. So I doubt that he's going to be influencing the calls in-game. Maybe... Maybe the game plan, getting ready, he'll they'll talk about it. Maybe he'll in theory. express what he wants. But I I think he gets more leeway in Chicago than he did in Seattle. I definitely agree with that. And he may look at that as an opportunity. And maybe that's part of the reason why he wanted this job. He didn't get fired. It was just Pete Carroll got fired. And yes. he figured that, okay, the staff is going to go too. But I don't know how bad of a terms, how bad the terms were with him leaving, I think this does maybe look at He looks at it like, okay, this is a promotion. All right. We'll ask, uh, we'll ask Big Z these very same questions. What his read on the situation is, who does it mean they're drafting or who does it mean they're keeping? What does it mean to the quarterbacks? We'll talk to Big Z next. Big's time on Chicago sports radio, six, seven, the score.